Now, I get to introduce this morning's speaker. I don't, I think if there's seatbelts, put them on. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but I'm going to introduce her. You know, how many of you know that Kim Moreno is Paris's mom? Most of you probably do, right? So you see the resemblance and how, you know, the wild and crazy comes and goes, right? So, but Kim is, Kim is just a, a fireball. She's going to bring joy. She's going to bring fire. And she's going to say y'all a lot. <laughs> Come on, Kim. And I want everybody to look at her shoes. My shoes are in case I need to click them and supernaturally go back to Kansas. Just depends on how y'all feel this morning. (laughs) God is so good. Well, I want to start with a joke because I'm not good at them. So I like to tell them. How many of you know that people that aren't good at telling jokes always tell them? That would be me. There was this little boy, young little boy. He was drawing a picture. His dad walked over and said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm drawing a picture of Jesus. And the dad said, well, son, you can't draw a picture of Jesus because nobody has seen him. Nobody knows what he looks like. And he said, well, they will when I'm done. (laughs) And I pray today that you will (laughs) when I'm done. (laughs) I am Paris's mother. I noticed y'all clap when I said that earlier. Not for me, but for Paris. (laughs) What an amazing person she is. Um, My husband and I have four children and nine grandchildren, the oldest being 13, the youngest being nine months. And um, we are blessed. Our cup runneth over. Um, I have been a part of the mission for as long as I can remember. And uh, about 17, 18 years ago, the Lord had us go to the Contra Costa area where we were privileged and honored to love on the people in that community and pastor a church for 17 years. As a matter of fact, two of them are here this morning. Julie, would you guys stand? Stand up, Julie. You guys stand up. Thank you for being here. Julie was my assistant and armor bearer for most of that time, and so happy she's here. Well, this morning, I'm going to talk quickly. Boy, wasn't that some mighty men of God that came before me? I'm like, I don't need to preach. They all just kind of preached. It was good. I thought Mark Hawkins was going to preach my message. I'm like, Mark, you would be the one that would do that. Um, So honored to stand today at the mission and minister and uh, I heard somebody say earlier when we were praying at, ga- at the um, gathering, you know, when the, parents are, when the parents away, the children will play. And I said, not me. Ryan and Dave are gone. I ain't playing. I'm going to do exactly what I was told. <laughs> I know what it means to honor. If I want to get back up here again. All right, here we go. I'm going to speak on God's promise this morning to turn walls into bridges. And mantles into miracle. Come on, look at somebody and say, he'll take your wall and turn it into a bridge. He'll take your mantle and make it a miracle. The Bible is not a book of perfect people. The Bible is a historical categorization of pristine. It's not a historical categorization of pristine, unblemished, stainless Saints. No, without a doubt, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, the Bible is a book of overcomers. Amen? And this morning, I want to take a quick look at a few. Just a look at some of the most famous and faithful that overcame. Is that all right? Abraham overcame the deceit of others and his own lies. Joshua overcame the pit and the betrayal of his brothers. Moses overcame Pharaoh and his temper and his past. 
Joshua overcame the Amalekites, his disobedience, his troops, and his fear of being alone when his mentor died. Gideon overcame the threshing floor and his insecurities. Samson overcame his pride, his lack of respect for the anointing, and Delilah's deception. David overcame a bear, a lion, a giant, Saul's spear, and his own moral turpitude. And Elijah overcame Jezebel. Elisha overcame famine. He overcame siege. Esther overcame all her haters. Come on, somebody. And Daniel overcame the lions. The Hebrew boys, they overcame the furnace. Job overcame the loss of everything that he had. Peter overcame the cursing of his blessing. Paul overcame the shipwreck and the overcame the snake. And Jesus, the son of the living God, our wondrous savior this morning, Jesus overcame darkness, death, and defeat. Jesus overcame everything. Come on, the sound people don't know what to do with me this morning. They're like... (laughs) No matter what you are facing this morning, your battle might not be over, but you have already won. You have already overcome this morning. God will never give up. He will never give up on you. He will never give up on me. And instead, he is going to anoint you and I with strength to help us overcome every obstacle, every power of darkness, and every single thing that is trying to defeat you this morning. I want to take a hard look at what it means to persevere with power. Not just to persevere, but to persevere with power. Put it another way. We're going to learn this morning better how to keep our hands to the plow spiritually. If we are willing to keep our hands this morning to the plow spiritually, to push the plow, then we can know that God's mantle of anointing and his power is going to fall upon us. And when God's mantle rests upon the shoulders of his people, there is nothing or no one that can stop them. Key word here. Keep your hand to the plow. Listen, if you want the mantle of God, not just in word, but in demonstration to fall upon your life, you better stay busy working. You know, we think that we could just tap dance and Jesus is going to go, yeah, you awesome. He says that the servant is going to be the greatest. It's the times that we think... That we're just simply doing what we've always done. And that nobody sees that one day you're going to have an encounter with an Elijah. And something's going to be thrown upon your shoulders that's going to change your life. But you have to keep doing what you know to do. Amen. Don't stop. Don't think you can just sit on the seat with your legs crossed, your arms crossed and do nothing. We are called to serve. Amen. We are called to follow after Jesus. And that's important. I want to talk for a moment about Elijah and Elijah. And when the, when the Elijahs, and I believe this this morning prophetically, I believe when the Elijahs speak up, the Jezebels can't win. The Jezebel spirit is still alive and well in the universe today. But when we rise up in our mantle, when we rise up in the authority that God's given us, the Jezebels can't stand. When Elishas stand up, the Ahabs can't endure. Ahab, I want to tell you for a moment, Ahab was wicked. He condoned the actions and the influence of Jezebel. Ahab was evil to the core. He behaved in the vilest manner and and, and during his reign, he led the people of Israel to sin against God. The same Ahab spirit is alive today, but I believe that when the Elijahs stand up, the spirit can't. (laughs) It's time to stand up. And no matter this morning how bleak your circumstances may be, God's power in you will prevail. So I want to declare something over you prophetically for a moment. Because this is a prophetic church. When future believers write about our generation. I want you to hear me please. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning. When future believers. Those that follow us. Write about our generation. When they talk about our time in history. They will not say this was a generation of Jezebel. Ahab or Baal. They will say this was a generation when the blood-bought, Holy Spirit-filled, devil-rebuking, demon-binding, grace-filled, righteous Elijahs and Elisha stood up. 
You and I are going to be remembered as overcomers because those who are of God always win. The most powerful spirit, and Mark said it this morning, the most powerful spirit that you and I can have, the, the spirit, the most powerful spirit on the planet today is not consumeration or greed. It may look like it. It's not a spirit of influence or affluence. The most powerful spirit on planet earth today, it was then, it was back then, it is right now, and it will always be the Holy Spirit of the Almighty God. That is the most powerful spirit. And when you and I have the spirit of God dwelling inside us, then we will never fear again the times that we live in. As followers of Jesus who have accepted the free gift of salvation through his sacrifice on the cross, we are assured this morning that we have received the Holy Spirit and that he lives with us. 1 John 2.27 says this, you may face trials, you may face tribulations, it says you may endure storms and setbacks, but you will never be defeated permanently. You might experience discomfort. You might experience distress, de- debilitation, but your joy and your peace will not ever cease. Come on, if you have the Spirit of God, you will speak like you got Him. If you have the Spirit of God, you will praise like you have Him. If you have the Spirit of God, then you will fight and worship like you have Him. If you have the Spirit of God, you will pray like you have Him. And if you have the Spirit of God living in you, and you do, then everything about your life is through Him and by His power. See, here's the truth this morning about overcoming the struggles that we face. When you are washed in the blood of the lamb, when you are forgiven, and I'm so grateful for forgiveness, you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. We are not eternal victims. Come on. We are not the enemy's punching bag. We are not cursed. We are not defeated. When you have the mantle of God resting on your shoulders, then you no longer depend upon your own abilities. You depend upon his abilities. Listen, you no longer face your limitations. You no longer face your caveats and qualifications. You don't ever have to face qualifications that other people put on you. God has put enough on you. You don't need nobody else to put anything on you. You you no longer rely on your own strength because you understand that his strength is unlimited. His strength is infinite. And eternal power. Listen, the great I am is inside you. He is inside you. People go, well, I'm looking for him. No, when I look at Paris, I see him. When I look at Mark, I see him. When I look at Pastor Deb, I see him. The great I am lives in you. I want to read this scripture for you today. It's found in Joshua six fifteen through 16. And they may have it up on the screen. On the seventh day... They got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except that on that day, everybody say that day. Because there is a that day. (laughs) On that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests surrounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded. Come on, somebody say commanded. Joshua commanded on that day, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. This morning, finding your voice and shouting out in obedience to the Lord still remains the resounding theme of Jericho. The taking of Jericho is yet another classic story of an underdog. And while the Hebrews' prayers led them into freedom from the Egyptians before God empowered Moses to lead them there. And while it inspires anyone that faces seemingly insurmountable odds, the Jericho promise is still true right now, today. It's still true. What is the Jericho promise? Well, I want to tell you. It is the power of the living God to transform every wall we face and make it into a bridge for his glorious glory. It is the promise that the walls blocking your progress into your destiny, into your future that God has for you is about to come tumbling down. 
Ooh, so I'm going to go over here because listen, I said they're about to come tumbling down because Jericho is still alive today. That promise is still living in the earth today. Ooh, I like it. Mm. I don't even know where I am. Wow. The power of God to turn walls into bridges. The holy shout rumbling from, the, from your mouth until your throat is sore and your voice is hoarse. The Jericho promise is your expectation that God's power to make a way where you cannot. And the anticipation of what he is waiting and what is waiting for you on the other side. I don't know about you, but what's waiting for me on the other side is still there. I declare that my ladder is going to be greater than my former. It's still waiting for us. Don't ever give up on that promise. The Jericho promise this morning is fundamental to your plowing and your perseverance and the prophetic mantle of promotion. It's the holy shout that anything that stands in your way that God is going to bring it down. How many of you can testify to that this morning? It's the heavenly trumpet blast celebrating that Jericho that God already conquered in your life. Listen, it was no accident that Elisha, along with Elisha, went there as Elijah's farewell, farewell to the earth tour. Because like his other stops on his route, Jericho represents a timeless truth about who God is and how he loves you and I. If you want to see what you have never seen before, then you've got to claim the promises of God and believe for the ongoing, everybody say ongoing, fulfillment. If I've not heard anything over years, I've heard, man, you know, I've I've seen prophecies and I've I've gotten prophetic words and I've gotten promises, but they haven't come to pass. And there's there's something amazing about a prophetic church. There is, because all of you guys prophesy over people. But then there's something, too, that where the people go, my promise ain't happened. It's just a so-and-so told me 20 years ago. Well, listen, God's promises are yes and amen. I love that there is absolutely no expiration date on the promises of God. Not one. But we've got to persevere. We have to persevere no matter how long it takes or how impossible it may seem. What I want to say this morning is don't be dismayed. Don't be baffled or perplexed or shaken when a wall appears in your journey why because simply stated there is a promise behind every single wall there is a promise of victory an overcoming power behind every single wall there's an opportunity behind every obstacle I've heard people say that over and over again listen there is a God behind there is God's favor behind every fear And wherever you are in your journey this morning, Jesus is with you. See, the wall is going to become a bridge by the power of the living God. It's going to become a bridge by your obedience. It's not because you fancy. It's because the presence of the Lord lives inside you. It's because his power is in you. There is nothing that you can do in your own power to, to cause any wall to come down. But it's the power of the living God living inside you that's going to crumble every single wall. See, I love humility, but don't walk in false humility. Don't, 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 don't be misled by the enemy. Listen, we have a, we have the great I am living in us. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. We are the head. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. And we know who that comes from. The same Lord of heaven and earth who empowered the shouts of the people to bring down the walls of Jericho will empower you to do the same thing with every wall in your life. I believe this morning that God is speaking and releasing something in this room and in this community. Sound goes beyond walls. I believe today that the wall of lack is coming down. I believe that the wall of drama is coming down. I believe that there is a a wall of drama, y'all. 
is is coming down. I believe that the wall of shame is coming down. I believe the wall of betrayal is coming down. I believe the wall of self-doubt is coming down. I believe the wall of disappointment is going to come down. The wall of anxiety is coming down. The wall of fear has got to come down. The wall of failure is coming down. The wall of deception is coming down. The wall of illness and injuries got to bow to Jesus. The wall of loneliness is coming down. Keep in mind this morning. However, with every single wall, we have choices. Mm -hmm. When we're faced with a wall, we have to do really one important thing. We have to depend on God even. Everybody say even. As we fulfill our part. We put our dependency on the Lord. But you play a part. We can go over the wall, we can go around the wall, and we can shout the wall down. But it all has to be because we're willing to move in the instruction of the Lord. If the decisions were left up to me about walls, well, I'd probably climb over them or I'd get past Deb's toolbox and jackhammer them down. I would probably find a crack or a crevice and I would blast my way through it. If anybody knows me, you know that's true about me. But it's not just about me. It ain't just about you. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. It is about the generations following in our footsteps. Not only our children and our children's children and our children's children's children, but also the generations following after those who are looking to you and me right now. They're looking for our leadership. They're looking for our encouragement. Those that walk alongside as we help bring the walls down. It's about that. It's about the generation who's looking and saying, listen, you talking a big talk, but can you demonstrate something for me? Paul said, I don't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. And wisdom is great. I seek after wisdom. But Paul said, I come to you with demonstration. And I come to you with power. It's about the Elijahs who will mentor the Elishas. It's about the apprentices that you're going to find plowing a field. Before draping your mantle of promotion and prophetic power over them. See, we this morning have one viable option. We have to, we have to, so that the generations behind us, we have to shout down every wall, every obstacle, so that the generations behind us don't have to do it. Did you hear what I said? See, I have to shout down some walls in my life so that my children and my children's children and little Max and, and, and little Isabella don't have to do it. I want, they're going to have their own walls to shout down. But you and I as leaders have to go before and say, Father, every wall that binds us, give us the battle plan. Give us the strategy on how to shout it down so that we build bridges for our grandchildren and children's children to walk over. Our spiritual children to walk over. It's about the generations that are going to follow us. I don't want them to face what I've had to face. Because they're going to face their own stuff. I don't want those to follow after you and I to endure the battle for so long. I want them to have bridges to walk over. And if we want the walls of their bridges to come down, then we got to shout our walls down. You cannot give somebody anything you ain't got. We have to stand up and say, Lord, search us and know us. Help us to see, Father, if there's an obstacle that we've allowed to, to erect in front of our destiny. Because there are people depending on you to move in what you're called to do. There are people that are depending on you to move. And you may say, well, Kim, that's okay because God will send somebody else. He will, but I don't want him to. I want to be that person. I want to be that person. We have to shout them down. Shout down every wall that separates us from where God has us. We got to shout down the adversities, the obstacles blocking paths, the obstacles blocking destiny. We have to obliterate walls. So that we can encourage those behind us that they can do it too. 
Listen, when they read the plaques and they hear the stories, I want my children's children and my children's children to have tears running down their eyes. I want them to say, man, my parents did it right. I want them to say they walked in obedience and shattered the walls that I don't have to face. I don't want them to be incarcerated by walls that you and I could have taken down for the glory of God. Because they're going to have their own walls. Listen, God's power to persevere. We have to keep marching until we hear the shout. We have to keep moving until we hear the shouts. Some of you this morning under the sound of my voice, you're like, oh, I've done it. I've done it. I want to speak to you today. Listen, God's not done with you. There is a lot that you have to offer. I believe the Lord is raising up mentors. As many prophets that have come through this house have said, he's raising up fathers. He's raising up spiritual mothers. I've asked him not to let me be one because I've had enough children and children. And I'm just kidding. Don't look at me like, don't judge me. I'm just joking. I'm just seeing if y'all listening. He's raising them up. Why do you think he's raising them up? So we can just tell them all of our stories. No, so we can demonstrate God's power. See, God's power can be demonstrated on the earth today. His power is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Elijah took Elisha to Jericho as a reminder to use his voice as an instrument to the Lord. To shout down every fear. To overcome every obstacle that stood in the way of Elijah inheriting what he was going to be given. Pastor Dave and Ryan have been speaking. And yes, I call him Pastor Dave. Some of y'all are like, why do you call him Pastor Dave? You can call him Dave. I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> One day he said to me, Kim, you don't have to call me Pastor. And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and he said, well, I guess you've earned a right to call me anything you want to. And I said, okay, I'm going to call you Pastor. It's just, I'm sorry, guys. It's a thing. Don't, don't, don't trip over it. <laughs> I don't, again, I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> Thank you. What you're doing this morning as they have been preaching, what are you doing with the spiritual legacy that you are inheriting even at this moment? What are you doing with all the teaching that's coming out of this house? What are you doing with all the impartation that's coming out of it? Are you just you know, frolicking in the unicorns and jumping over rainbows? Are you saying, Father, let me do something with this. Let me demonstrate this to a world that's lost. To a world that's looking for signs and wonders, you guys. In 2 Kings, verse 2 and 3, it says this. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elijah. Elisha. I always get those. And said unto him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master today? Except they probably said, hey, Elisha. Look up here. We're the prophets. We know something you don't know. Do you know that God is going to take your master today? And I love Elisha's response. He said, yes, I know. So be quiet. Now, that may seem disrespectful to you, but as I read this text, and I've read it over and over and over, because 2 Kings, 1 Kings is my favorite in the Bible. It may come across as disrespectful, but if we assume that that's not the case, then what would be the reason for him to respond to silence the spectators, telling them to be quiet, would contrast literally with God's directive to Joshua and to the Israelites to shout at Jericho. But I want you to think about this for a moment. This group of prophets was telling Elisha something that Elijah already knew. They were basically wasting their breath because Elisha already knew it. They were wasting their time Because I feel like at that moment they wanted to demonstrate because they had been following these two. They had been kind of spectating along the journey as they were, uh, as as Elijah was mentoring Elisha. And finally they were silenced. And I believe they wanted to say, hey, do you know that that God is going to take your master today? Because some people, some people just got to let you know that they in the know. (laughs) Prophetic people, be careful. Some people just got to say something because they want you to know you ain't special. I know too. But I love what he said. He said, I already know that. I want you to think about it for a moment. 
I want you to consider this. They, they're, in, they're, they're inside, knowing being on an insider. They base their identity not on serving God, but on how serving him could elevate their status with others. But this is another sermon for another day, so I'm going to drop that right there. <laughs> when we speak to elevate ourselves, the result often backfires, or it has in my life. And believe me, come talk to me, because I've learned a bunch I remember one time I was singing in the choir in the old building, you know, and I was singing and I was young and I was young and everything, man. I had no business being up there. I was so young. I was singing. I was like hitting my high D, you know, oh, you know, and, and uh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, all the solos were handed out and I didn't get one. Now, I want you all to keep in mind I was 20 ish something. And I just remember saying, well, that's weird. I mean, I'm gifted and talented. I don't understand. <laughs> and I just remember that, you know, second group of songs were released and I didn't get a solo. I was like, they just ain't listening to Jesus. I mean, <laughs> I was like, they don't know. And then I remember that I'm like, well, that's okay. I'll just take a break, a sabbatical. You know how we do. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to take some time off. First thing I asked people, then we were pastoring, that said, I want to take some time off. I said, are you offended? Is everything good? Because usually people don't take time off when they're offended. That's the opposite of what you want to do. When you're offended, you want to come sit on the front row. You want to lean in. You want to hug the pastor and hug everybody else around you till that thing falls off of you. But I was a little weird and... So I took some time off, and I remember getting no argument about it. And I was like, well, they're really not. This may be the wrong church for me. (sighs) If you don't learn your lesson, the next church will teach you as well. I'll say that again. If you don't learn your lesson, the next church will teach you as well. So I remember I'm sitting back. You know, I'm coming in early like, you know, I would if I was in the choir. As if I were interceding. I sat there thinking... And I just remember the song that I did sing at one time, somebody else sang it that day. And I'm sitting there going, they're singing the song I sang. And they did it so good. That's the worst part. They nailed it. They were so anointed. And that just was like, not only are they good, but they're anointed. And I just remember seeing that. And then going home and saying, I'm so sorry, Jesus. If you'll just give me another chance, I will humble myself before you. Because what happened is I had this entitlement because I was gifted that I should be doing it. Listen, your gift, Jesus had enough gifts. Listen, he can, don't talk to me about gifts. Listen, if everybody on this worship team left today, Jesus would roll a brand new anointed team. And even though we don't want them to, I'm just saying, God's got a bunch of gifts. <laughs> he can manifest a gift in a donkey. What I'm telling you this morning is this. You want to recognize that everything you have is from the Lord. And listen, don't try to self-promote. Because if you try to promote yourself, you got to work to stay there. But if Jesus promotes you, you ain't got to do nothing but stand in that place of favor. Now, that's enough about that for prophetic people. Again, I don't know where I'm at. (laughs) We don't want to impress others. We want to impress Jesus. The Bible says what you do privately, he's going to expose publicly. I want that to be good stuff. God will make room for your gifts. You ain't got to plow through it. You ain't got to walk up and say, listen, I am a Kim and I can hit an ID. I play every instrument there is. You should hear it. It's pretty amazing. You just got to show up, be faithful, serve. And I promise you the man or woman of God will see Jesus on you and make room for that, especially in this house. Listen, without humility and our dependence on Jesus, I don't know how I got off on that, but all right. Without humility and our dependence upon God, the Jericho promise is merely a whisper and not a shout. Remember, whispers fade, shouts echo. 
So rather than to be a part of a group that shows off its insider knowledge, surround yourself with people who will not grow weary when it's time to march. When it's time to keep going. When it's time not to draw the sword. You want to surround your people that will listen to instructions and do what the Lord is telling the man of God to do over the vision. That's what you want to surround yourself with. People willing to work. Mm. I know. All right. Amen. People willing to work in unison for the higher purpose of a heavenly goal. People willing to shout all at once, not on their own. Can you imagine if they were marching around Jericho and you got some like just kind of some hyper spiritual person going, woo, woo. And, and they're like, no, no, Joshua's like, no, can you imagine? No, we want to listen to the instructions of the Lord. And as much as we want to let out our confidence in God, we only want to do it when the spirit of the Lord tells us to. Amen. Whispers fade. Shouts echo. We want people. It's time. If it's not time to shout, then we'd be wise not to. Amen. We don't want to be spectators. We want to be participants. All right. I'm running out of time. Listen to me. The commander. I want to talk for a moment as I close about the commander who appeared to Joshua on that day. It says this. God sent the commander of his army to meet him. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man standing before him with a sword drawn and in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, like any good leader of an army would say, are you for us or are you for the adversaries? And he said, and the man responded, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Amen. That's a good place to clap. The commander who appeared before Joshua was clearly, it it was obviously a powerful being. We're told in scripture that Joshua fell on his face and gave him reverence. Joshua addresses the man in Hebrew, in a Hebrew word that means master or Lord. Finally, the man tells Joshua to take off his sandals. Now, this is really important. He said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. See, I cannot help but wonder this morning if the Lord's directive would have been different or taken longer to execute if Joshua had not displayed humility and reverence for the holy ground that he had been told he's standing on. See, there's no question this morning that the Lord was there with the armies of heaven to secure Jericho so that the people of God could possess their God-given land. There's no doubt this morning that Joshua's leadership and who he was appointed by God to lead the army into this battle of Jericho. But Joshua's position, everybody say position, was asking the Lord for orders and it was surely then that he received the direction of the Lord. And as one who had come to take charge, the Lord was also So reminding Joshua and to you and I this morning that both God's personal presence and his powerful provision is all was showing up at the same time. God's personal presence will always carry with it the assurance of God's personal care. Don't you love that? His personal presence will always assure his personal care. And like this promise... His provision carries with it the promise of an infinite supply of power and strategy and weaponry and and confidence that nothing is impossible with our God. Nothing is impossible. And whether this gentleman here, some people will say he was the Lord, some people will say he was an angelic being, whatever he was, whether he was he was the Lord or he was he was divine or he was angelic, he communicated one important message to Joshua to prepare him for the upcoming battle. Joshua was there because I'm sure he had a lot of weight on his shoulders. Listen, he didn't have the battle blast, he didn't have the big ladders to crawl, he didn't have the weaponry that he needed in the natural to fulfill the battle at Jericho, even though he had heard from the Lord that he would overtake Jericho. See, he didn't go, okay, I heard the Lord. I'm just 
you know, no, he put something to what he heard. He heard it and then he moved forward to Jericho to try to surveil, surveil and see what he might need to do. Is there a crack in the wall? Is there something in the wall? Is there a weak place? And then when you do that, when you put your part, see, God is going to be there for you, but you got to partner with it. When he partnered with that moment, the angel of the, the Lord of the angel army showed up. The Lord of the army showed up, the commander and gave Joshua detailed instructions that eventually helped him to win the battle because he couldn't do it with what he had. You and I can't do it with what we have either. The experience, what we can expect from the Jericho promise is that we'll see our walls tumbling down, but we've got to be immersed in the spirit of the Lord. We have to be immersed in God's word. We have to understand as Southerners term, we got to focus on the holy before we can holler. I'll say that again. It's all right. I'm almost done. (laughs) Elijah and Elisha could hear the echoes of the shouts from Joshua and the Israelites. So many generations later, if not audibly, he heard it spiritually. He heard it spiritually. And then we know the rest of the story. We know that whenever I want to go back for a moment in contrast to Elijah and Elisha. Whenever Elisha was plowing and doing what he just knew to do. The man of God came and threw his mantle on Elisha. And Elisha undid the plow. I don't know about y'all, but listen, if somebody throws their mantle on me, I'm going to unhook a plow and get up out of there. Because that was hard work. And without hesitation, he moved in obedience to the destiny that he had just encountered. The story goes on to say and that in a distance, he had to, they crossed over the Jordan. And there were many years of, of Elijah mentoring Elisha. And there were a lot of, I'm going to stay with you, never leave you, mumbo jumbo. And all that was great. And he did what he said. But after all of that, they faced the Jordan. And I love what happened at the Jordan. It says that when they faced the Jordan, because listen, the Jordan was a paradigm of Jericho. In order to get across the Jordan, it had to open up just like Jericho had to come down. And when he faced the Jordan, and the Jordan wasn't just some kind of little creek that you can tiptoe through. He needed the power of the Lord the same way that you and I need the power of the Lord when we face obstacles and opposition. And I love that story because it says that, I don't know, the Bible doesn't really reference that he said a lot to Elisha that day. It just... The Bible highlights that he demonstrated a lot that day. It says he took off his mantle, he struck the Jordan. It opened up and they walked over. And we know the story that he was caught up in the chariots. We know that Elisha mourned that moment. And then Elisha had to go back the way he came. And the Bible says that he got to the Jordan. And I love that, again, there, it doesn't, the text doesn't reveal that there was a lot of conversation at that moment. But I can, I can imagine that in Elijah's mind, he was saying to Elisha, listen, son, watch me because I'm about to do something. You don't want to miss this. <laughs> I'm, about to, I'm about to take what God has placed over my life. I'm going ta- to take it and I'm going to strike the opposition that keeps me from getting to where I need to be because I'm about to go up in a chariot and I got to get there on time. He probably said, son, I need you to watch me. It doesn't say there was a lot of reference to conversation. So when Elisha, Elisha got back to Jordan, he remembered what his mentor had demonstrated. See, let me tell you, the generation that you and I, the generation that's rising up now, raising up the generation that's watching y'all, they don't want to hear a bunch of this. And even though your words are powerful, they are. Our words hold power. The Bible says it does. They are looking for a demonstration. They are looking for the power of the Lord. They're not just looking for, they're looking for consistency. They're looking for faithfulness. They're looking for, they want to know if you're the real deal. And listen, I go into prisons. I go on death row. If you walk in there and you ain't the real deal, they will get up while you preaching and walk out. See, because they've done it all. They know when somebody's real and when they're not. The generation that's watching you and I is kind of like that. They want demonstration. 
And so I love what he did. It says that he remembered, he remembered what happened. And I don't know what the time frame was, but it says he did this. It says that he rolled up his mantle, the mantle that had fallen on him, the mantle that Elisha had just received, inherited. Everybody say inheritance. He took his inheritance and it says he struck the Jordan. And when he did, it says that from left to right, it opened up and he walked over. Listen, you need to get your mantle this morning. You need to get the... And you need to strike that thing that's in front of you. Some people can be like, oh, I hope it moves. I wish it would move. No, you need to say, move out of my way. I'm walking over on dry ground. You better, sickness, you better move out. Defeat, you better move out. Addiction, you better part. They want demonstration. They want power. They don't want you to just tell them. You know, when you get to the Jordan, what you're going to probably need to do is you're going to probably need to fast and pray. And, and uh, if you can find some stones, just build an altar like they did back then. And, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know about you, but I want somebody watching my life. And when somebody faces something, I want them to say, I remember what I saw Kim do. I want my kids to say, I remember what prayer does. I remember hearing my mama pray. And I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. She ain't got to tell me to pray because I've seen the power of what it does. That's what you do with mantles. You demonstrate. Demonstration. Now I brought this from my closet. And I hope y'all got the message. Because that's a brand new jacket I just slung on the ground. Just trying to. T- t- <laughs> ah, listen, I need to close. Wow. See, we live in a we live in a world now where God is saying, Elijah, rise. He's saying, Elisha, rise. Take what I have placed on your life and demonstrate my glory on the earth. And that demonstration will come in all forms and fashions. That demonstration will come sometimes through the prophetic. Sometimes it will come through intercession. Sometimes it will come through the apostolic anointings on the, on the house and what God's releasing in the house. But we have to demonstrate. We got to quit talking the talk, man. We got to say, Jesus, make me a vessel that walks in power, that when I walk past people and my shadow will release healing. Listen, you may say, well, I don't know. Yes, God wants to use your shadow. He wants to use your shadow. There's power in his name and you're not doing it in your own self. You're doing it through him that lives in you. Don't forget who you are. A few months ago, I went to the bank and I was going to cash a check and I went there and it, it, I didn't realize it was made out to Norbert Moreno. Bert, that's Bert Boaz. By the way, that's my husband. The greatest husband, papa, grandpa, daddy there ever was. Listen, if he can live with me, he is something amazing. Did Tammy say, yeah? Tammy say, yeah. And they said, you can't, uh, you're not going to be able to cash this. And I'm like, well, can I deposit it? And they're like, well, not without his signature. And I'm like, well, we won. Can't I just sign it? And they're like, no, Miss Moreno, you can't. So I called Bert. I'm like, hey. The check's made out to you, and you need to come sign it. It was crazy because Bert walked in there, signed it, and that was done. See, that's the kind of power the Lord's given you. The check's been made out to you. You just got to sign it and move in it. You got to sign it, deposit it in your life, and move in what the Lord has called you to do. I speak to you this morning, those that are wondering, man, what am I here for? You're here to demonstrate God's power and love upon the earth. One thing I love about my husband in closing is that Bert is a quiet man. But more people in our life together, in our 20-something years of being married and knowing each other, the one thing that I've seen God do through him is people like me, I have to be like, don't you want to accept Jesus as your Savior? I don't know. Come on, you want to accept him. You know you do. Jesus is awesome. With Bert, he just lives it and people go, I don't know. Could you pray the sinner's prayer with me? Because his life speaks for itself. He doesn't have to say a bunch. His life demonstrates it. 
And this morning, you may be saying, well, Kim, I am not a big, boisterous, loud kind of woman or man. You don't have to be. You can still demonstrate his power with the way that you live. You can demonstrate his power with the way that you respond. You know, don't get crazy at the gas station. Don't act like a fool at the gas station. Somebody's watching you. Quick story. I was at the gas station and I, it was hot, y'all. And if you 50-something, hotness happens and, and bad things occur. So I try to get out of air and into air real quick before something manifests that don't look like Jesus. And so I said, I said, I got out of the car and I was like, and I got in there and I was in a hurry. I had to be somewhere. There was an appointment. There was a long line. So I grabbed a diet Coke and I'm standing there and you know, the two ladies are just like, how you do it? I'm like, can we just ring them up and get them out of here? I got to be somewhere. They're literally in that Seven Eleven was like 10 people. And so I, I'm there and I'm hurrying. I finally get up to the counter, throw my Diet Coke down. And I'm like, not wanting to make eye contact because I don't want them to talk to me because I have to leave. And all of a sudden this lady leans over. She goes, Kim, I'm so glad you're here. And I was like, me too. (laughs) You know how you do your anger. You're like, oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. How can I help you? Oh, yes, Jesus. No, I said, hey, yeah, how you doing? She goes, my son is in the hospital. He tried to kill himself. I had to come to work today. He's okay. But I was praying all morning for God to send a Christian in here to pray with me. Now, I know that I'm about to ring you up, but when I'm ringing you up, could you pray? And man, I felt like a grasshopper. And inside, I'm like, you crazy woman, you almost just, girl, you better get yourself together. So I just prayed as she rang me up. I didn't draw attention. I'm like, Lord, I just thank you for peace and comfort and strength. I got in the car and the conviction of the Holy Spirit was on my life in such a way. And, and I'm glad Bert went there because Bert was always like, Kim, maintain, maintain. I'm like, has anybody else's spouse said to you, Maintain. Not like I got to maintain all the time, but sometimes he'll see, he'll see the hot coming up in me. He'll be like, I need you to maintain. Uh Uh-uh, Paris, y'all stay out of that. (laughs) And so, and so Bert will be like, he'll just whisper. And and one time, no kidding, at at, at a store, store, he wrote the word maintain and texted it to me. He said, I need you to look at your text. I looked at me. He said, maintain. I was like, right. But that day, the Holy Spirit's like, I need you to maintain. Because people are watching, and you never know when I'm going to need you to rise up in that mantle, girl. So you need to get that heat stuff under control. And I remember repenting and crying all the way to my appointment because I realized that somebody's watching. You never know when somebody needs you. And yeah, we're, we, we, we do wrestle for that. We do have weaknesses and all that. But listen, we have a responsibility to recognize that when we're about to show out, we need to maintain. Everybody say maintain. Thank you, Bert, for teaching me that. I'm trying. I'm trying. No, seriously. This morning, stand to your feet. Worship team, if you would come. My dad was a Pentecostal preacher. He went home to be with the Lord a few years ago. Before our last visit with him, um, my dad did something that he always does, but in a different way. He laid his hands on me. I have five, fam- five people are in my family. He laid his hands on me. He leaned over and whispered in my ear. He said, I'm about to release an impartation into you. God said that you are the one that's going to carry this. He's never, and he asked, he asked one of our family members, he says, I need you to record this. Little 85-year-old man, he laid hands on Bert and I. He prophesied over us, and he imparted something that day. He called forth something. And I'll forget what, he preached for over 65 years. He said to me all the time, he said, never become so enamored by what you carry. That you forget who carries you. 
all the time. Talk to him on the phone, pray with him on the phone. He would say, baby, don't ever forget. Don't be enamored by what you carry now. Never forget who carries you. The God of the mantle is much more important than the mantle of the God. This is a double portion focused faith that uses God power to to turn walls into bridges and mantles into miracles. This is the kind of power that declares addiction dies in my generation. Alcoholism will die in my generation. Adultery dies in my generation. Sexual promiscuity will die in my generation. Hatred will die in my generation. Unforgiveness dies in my generation. Poverty dies in my generation. Doubt will die in my generation. Diabetes, cancers, diseases will die in my generation. Suicide is going to die. It's going to stop right here. Divorce dies in my generation. Depression, anxiety, fear is going to die in my Goliath, you're going to fall in my generation. The glory of God will not be stolen in my generation. Come on, giant slayer. Come on, giant slayer. Arise in this house. Come on, bridge builder I need you to rise up come on wall tumblers I need you to rise come on mantle carriers I need you to rise up where are the Elijah's where are the Elijah's come on I need you to rise this morning I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up and I believe that quickly God wants to do something if you pray for people and he says it's okay to come up I guess that's a better way to put it I feel like that there's things in you that need to be called forth I feel like there's Jordans that you're facing that you need somebody to take you by the hand this morning. And you need to say, listen, can you help me take my mantle off? I'm tired. Can you help me roll it up and strike the obstacle that I face this morning? As they're singing Waymaker, because God is a Waymaker. Even when you don't feel it, He's working. Even when you don't see it, He's working. If that's you this morning, these people want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to belabor it long because I just feel like the word is said it all. I want you to come and let's call those things forth in you. Let's, let's, I want you to know that you are the leader that God wants to use this morning to change the generation that's watching you. The generation that's looking. If you haven't been moving in demonstration and power, get up here because we want to lay hands on you and call that thing forth. We want to decree and declare and prophesy prophesy over you what God has said about you. Would you sing, team? Come on, come on up. If that's you, listen, even if I didn't need it, if these awesome people were standing in front of me, I'd come say, pray for me. Come on, just step out of your seats this morning. Be brave, be courageous. You may even be a leader in here and you may say, listen, I just need to be reminded of what I carry. I want you to come and find somebody to pray with you this morning. God, you are faithful. Online, we're praying for you this morning. We're declaring and decreeing that God has power to break down every bridge, to tear down down every wall and turn it into a bridge. We decree that over you today. Come on down. We still got time this morning. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you lady right here in the yellow can you Bert can you get her attention I have a word for you I feel like the Lord has shown me that you've been on an airplane almost like um, you know how you're on an airplane and the, the um, it, they get to a certain altitude and there's pressure and you can feel it and then all of a sudden turbulence hits you I feel like that you've been on an airplane that just won't land but the Lord is saying today to you that he has cleared you for landing my sister he has cleared you this will no longer be a season where you are having to fight everything in front of you the Lord is going to teach you when to battle you don't have to fight every battle but you know this you will win everybody I decree and declare over you that you are clear to land this morning come on lift your hands to the Lord and let's pray for her right now I just thank you father that she is clear to land (laughs) your season of turbulence is over your season of being pressurized is over 
The Lord is going to mantle you with peace that is going to be unshakable, unmovable. You are going to stand in places that others would crumble. You are going to stand because you serve and have a living God inside you. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. It's clear to land, my sister. You're clear to land, my sister. You're clear to land. Peace. I speak peace over every anxiety in Jesus' name. Come on, if you're battling anxiety, get up here this morning. If you've been battling anxiety, come on up and let's pray for you this morning. The Lord wants to set you free. He wants to place a mantle of peace over you. Yeah, Lord. Yeah, he's a way maker. Yeah. That is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are, and you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, yes, we sing, you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who he 
chain breaker It's who you are, it's who you are It's who you are, it's who you are It's who you are It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are.